You're listening to Voice Memos, the show about two longtime friends who have informative yet brief discussions about multitudinous topics. If you want to go deep into a topic, this is not the podcast for you. We keep it shallow. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jen and Myron. Well, well, well. What, what took you so long, Mofo? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you're gallivanting in New York. You come back with your fiance. You're shopping oh, all day. God. You're just living your best fucking life. Sir, so here's something I didn't, I mean, I sort of anticipated it because I've had a preview of it over the past couple of years, but the reason I'm late, so our audience knows I was late to the podcast for the first time in over a year, whereas okay. you've been late every, almost nope. every week. Okay. That's not, see, see what you're doing, deflecting. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but I, um, so I picked up my daughter from college today. And I, I've always just wanted to say that statement. I picked up my daughter from college. Wow. And so Eliane is here. And those two have been talking to me. Well, the three of us have been talking. Well, I've been mostly listening because they are both, like Eliane could say, a lot of words. And normally my daughter, as you know, she's not a, a big talker, except when I haven't seen her, and, I, and because I was in New York, I hadn't seen her in uh, two, two and a half weeks. And when I don't see her for a period of time, she likes to catch me up on what I missed in her life that for the time that we've been apart. And she tells me in a linear fashion. So it's like, okay, the first day you were gone, let me tell you everything that happened in my life. And then she just goes day by day. And I was like, oh, my God. So then I had Elian talking. And basically, I entered, like, a black hole of too much words coming at me. And so that's why I'm like. <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> oh, so what is going on? God, not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, I I was uh, thinking about why you guys were in New York and the wedding. My sister had asked me because my my nephew, Jack, so funny little story. I get a text message from him yesterday. And now Jack's will be 13 in October. And he sends me a text and he says, hey, Auntie Jenny, would you like to come to school and have lunch with me and my friends? And you'll meet my one of my other friends. And I was like, oh, what day? You know, he said, anytime this week. So I said, okay, let me look at my schedule. I move some stuff around. I I figure Friday's gonna be the best time. So I said, how long is lunch? And he says originally an hour and a half. And I was like, what are you, the fucking president? Like what, an hour and a half lunch in school? <laughs> He said, no, it's a half hour. So I was like, okay, cool. So driving time, no problem. I'll give myself two hours, a little two hour window because it's in Rancho Cordova. So I am, he says, okay, I'm going to give you the details because I'm going into my acting class. So of course I don't hear from him, you know. So I, my sister says, I said to my sister, hey, Kelly, what 
do I need to, you know, like, God, I have to bring him lunch. She's like, yeah. And I said, well, God, most of the stuff that I like to eat needs to be heated. And I don't want to, I don't know what I should bring cold. And she said, well, first of all, she said, I had to bring lunch. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I, I have to bring lunch for him. She's like, yeah. I said, oh, that little detail he left out. So I said, do I have to, maybe I'll bring him like peanut butter and jelly, the simplest thing. And she said, oh my God, you would embarrass him. That would be the worst thing. So I'm like, oh my God, this is new for me. What am I supposed to do? So she says, well, I said, should I go buy lunch and bring it? She's like, yeah, that's probably your best option. So I'm like, all right, there's a cool spot. He is, he is a little more flexible with his diet when it comes to veganism. So he'll try stuff. And I love that about him. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to get this place called vegan deadly sins. It's in downtown Sacramento. Um, he'll find something on there. So I send him the menu and I said, Hey, pick out what you want on this menu. I'll pick it up and I'll bring it for lunch. Cause I know he likes boba. So they also have all these different like boba flavors. Okay. And I said, okay, pick out what you want. And so he sends me a message. Hey, I'll get the, the tofu without peppers. And can you get me a boba? I'm like, of course I can. That's what I'm going there for. So he said, you know, then he gives me this list, sort of like how people order at Starbucks, right? I'll have the coconut milk tea unless they have taro tea or mango milk tea, lychee jelly and taro crystal boba, 75% sweetness, light ice. I was like, (laughs) I don't know if I'm supposed to read all that when I go there because I've never ordered boba in my life. So then I said, uh okay cool i will get it and he said hey are you getting um a samboba he said because that winnie pooh drink looks delicious which is like this winnie pooh i don't i think (laughs) i said well i don't think i'm gonna get it but do you want me to bring you that one too and he's like yes please so he wants two boba (laughs) i got roped into thinking my nephew just wants to spend time with me. And lo and behold, I am picking up lunch and two boba teas for this. Trip, so. You are, you are, you are Auntie DoorDash. <laughs> Auntie DoorDash, you are not wrong. Oh my God. So yeah, that's been going on in my world. Uh, uh, I'm super cute. Here I was all, I looked at it as something super cool and special. Like That's oh, funny. Yeah. Uh, but no, this bitch just wanted some free food and some bubbles. Um, <laughs> I can't wait, though. I'm excited. You know what? It's funny that he did that little Jedi mind trick on you. Like, would you like this other one that looks really good? <laughs> <laughs> little sucker, man. <laughs> God damn. Uh, oh, that's so that's so what's been good. going on with me. Um, not too much. I know we talked... You and I, a couple podcasts ago, we talked about a new addition, you know, with the potential of uh, in my family. So as most of our listeners know, I had my forever faithful beast slash, well, mojito slash beast, um, who was sent to Rainbow Bridge back in 2022 um, with uh, just due to he had cancer and Addison's disease and his his body was at the end and I had to make that difficult choice. And all through the past year, I've taken on a couple fosters, a two week foster here, a weekend foster here. Um, I even had a dog originally that I was getting from SoCal that just 
uh, we didn't mesh. And so I've been, I've been doing a lot of thinking over the past couple months of why I'm having such a hard time with dogs. And, and I don't mean that I don't want one. I'm just thinking what's not clicking for me. And what I realized is that through the start of me having dogs, when I, when I moved to California, my ex-husband and I started with some Jack Russell's and we had always gotten puppies. Every Mm -hmm. dog that I've had since I've been in this state now, 27 years or so, 26 years, I have always had puppies and Mm -hmm. the dogs that I was either fostering or thinking of fostering or, or, or adopting were all at least anywhere from two to three years old, some a little older, but, um, and I realized that I just couldn't connect with them because we, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know how to navigate through, uh, a dog that's already sort of established, I guess. I know I'm probably not the right mm-hmm. words to use, but, um, and I realized, you know what, I think it's a, pu- I think for me personally, a puppy is super important because I can establish that relationship in their early life. Like I get yes. to know who they are and they get to know who I am and um, I can understand their body language. It was something I always really valued and appreciated about specifically Mojito. Cause it was just him and I, um, for the last, you know, eight years or whatever. So I also realized that I am at an age where I don't want to clean up fucking dog hair. I don't want to, yes. I don't want to have dog hair. I don't want it on my person. I don't want it in my car. So the, it's been a really struggle for me because I know that those types of dogs and we're talking, um, you know, hypoallergenic, great temperament, easy to train. Those dogs you don't normally find in shelters, unfortunately. So I found a um, woman who owns a couple uh, Labradoodles and she is, uh, one of her babies we're waiting to determine. She is doing a mini Australian Labradoodle, which is a dog that's about 23 pounds on average. Um, they are, those dogs have been bred in a lot of cases for um, service dogs, companion dogs, especially with children that have uh, autism. Um, so they have a really amazing temperament. And the reason why I give this long background, because I have been, all of my dogs, well, the last two dogs I had have been rescues. And, uh, So I struggle and have always said, adopt, don't shop. And so my confliction has to do with the fact that millions of dogs are um, euthanized pretty Mm -hmm. much daily across the country because they just don't have enough space and people aren't getting their dogs fixed and they're, and they're breeding and then they're dumping the puppies. They still don't want to get their dogs fixed. And you've got backyard breeders. You've got a lot of bullshit happening and innocent dogs um, are dumped every year. And so I struggled with the fact that I made the decision to go with a breeder and what I am really, what really got me, I was thinking last week, this is a new thought. I don't even think I've shared it with you is that, you know, I right now in the United States of America, 35 billion animals have been slaughtered for, for consumption, whether it's for food or whether it's for, um, clothing, 35 billion. There's a, there's a clock you can download. It just tells you, on the second, how many animals are just being slaughtered. And 
I am a person and this is where, and maybe justifying in my mind and you could set me straight and say, okay, now you're really, you're, you're really stretching here, Jen. But my thought is, yes, millions of dogs are getting put down in shelters, but 35 billion animals are getting slaughtered and no one's saying anything about that. Where I am sitting here thinking I'm making some impact on animals, meaning that I am I am aware and conscious about what is happening on the daily basis, not just to dogs. And some of that made me, I started to think that, okay, yes, I'm getting a dog from a breeder who some dog, somebody's going to get that dog. If I get, if I don't get it, somebody else will. That's just, they're, they're going to have puppies and she's going to sell those dogs to somebody. Why not it be me? But I, yeah. it helped put a little bit more of a okay thought into my mind that, I'm doing my part in other ways and maybe maybe not getting a rescue this time around is I shouldn't be so hard on myself. That's uh, <clears throat> I'm glad you shared all that. Like I, I appreciate you going through the struggle of trying to understand the best route for you to adopt another fur baby. I think people call them that I could, I, as you know, I am not a pet. No. owner or anything. My daughter has a dog that she keeps at her mother's house. He was, he was born here. Um, but I'm not born here, but she got him from a shelter here. The dog is at her mother's house, and I'm happy about that. Like I, I don't, I don't um, dislike or hate dogs or cats or birds or fish. I just don't want to feed another mouse. Like I just don't want to do it, and, I, and I'm definitely not picking up dog poop anywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> but I do like, I like, I like the animals, and so I think the struggle that you just shared. Um, is that struggle that sometimes if we are um, absolutist in our thinking about some things, like I am absolutist about the death penalty, right? So I say, I don't agree or believe that we should ever do the death penalty. I don't think any government should have the right to kill any citizen. Like, I don't think they should have that power. And then people will inevitably say something like, what if someone, you know, murders someone close to you and you want them to die, right? Mm. Or, or, you watch a random dateline and some, you know, some person, you know, killed, you know, a family or something. Or, you know, that guy went into that, that, that black church in South Carolina and those black people welcomed him in, prayed mm. with them, talked to him, sang to him, and then he killed nine of them. You know? And then you go, well, should that person get the death penalty? And I think one thing that absolutist, because I'm an absolutist about that, you have been an absolutist about um, um, not adopting a dog from a breeder or purchasing a dog from a breeder, however that works out, is that life is just full of gray areas, mm. right? And, and there's sometimes that in our absolute beliefs, we come up against a gray area where we challenge ourselves or we are challenged to figure out a way to navigate through that. We're holding on to our, our, our self-imposed morals, right? And yeah. And like, you're not going by anybody else's standards. It's just your own standard that you have to, you're considering, I have this standard and I, I, I want to do something different than my standard. And what does that do to me as a, as a person, as my, as my, my beliefs and my own self-imposed morality? Like that's, that, I think that is a good internal discussion to have. And from me, I have no judgment. Um, on someone who wants uh, to purchase a dog. Now, you have a good re rationalization and reason that we slaughtered 35 billion animals you know, for consumption, 
And if I buy one dog from a breeder, and it sounds like you have a reputable breeder, someone who's not just churning out dogs that's, that, you know, putting them out in the street because no one buys them. Yep. So I, I think there is room for that. And I think that, I think that's okay. I think we do have our points where we come against some of our absolute things because you know, I don't know what it's like, you know, to lose a loved one to, you know, a mass murder inside a church, you know, that, that kind of deal. Like, well, how, what would I say? Would I say, oh. yeah, let me be the one to hold the hatchet or the hammer and to yeah. help this guy escape from this life. Let me do it. I will do it myself. So, you know, so I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think it's, I think it's a good self-interrogation you got. And you know what, if you get that little puppy and I, I love the idea that you're saying that, you know, it's been a couple of years since Mojito um, left us and, you know, everybody has to grieve and you're giving your own time and space. And then if right now is the time for you to get a puppy and to, you know, bond to the puppy, and let the puppy bond to you, then you know what? I just say, cut the crap and get the dog. Yeah. Just enjoy life. It, it's that you yeah. said something really profound and it's, it's the own, our own value system, our own integrity that we put on ourselves. Like we're not given that at birth. It's not the color of my eyes or, you know, the type of body that I have. It is legitimately something that my moral compass that I personally have injected into my system. Right. Right. That's right. That's, that, that's your thing. Like I am, I am nonviolent. Like I don't, I don't ascribe to any type of violence war or anything like that. But I know that if I were walking down the street and someone attacked my daughter or my fiance, then I'm going to retaliate a hundred times worse than that initial attack was like in that moment. Right. I'm going to try to get that individual person to protect my loved ones. Like I know that even though I don't like violence. You know, well, it's, and it's interesting because your book, you know, BLM PD and based on, I mean, I'm not giving anything away. It's based on vigilante. You know, you are a character within a book and you are killed by the police. And there is no way, shape or form uh, uh, the women that come together because I don't have the book in front of me to read it. But the thought of the violence associated with where I'm the opposite, like I will choose violence in any way possible. Uh, I'm not afraid of it. Now, I I don't. <laughs> I don't go around looking for it, but I'm not opposed to it. And so it, it's, it, I've known you a long time and I, I can, I can raise my right hand if people could see it. And I definitely swear on whatever book you put your hand on that Myron is the farthest from having any sort of violence or even there was a time, let me tell you this quick story, our audience. So Myron and I worked at Verizon wireless and uh, you know, you got phones, you know, you could buy a phone and you're 50% off. So every once in a while, I, you know, you buy some phones. I had my whole family was migrating to Verizon. So I was getting all their phones and you know, that's five of us or whatever. So I asked Myron to walk me down to my car because I was trying to carry everything plus the phones. And when I get to my car, I open up the trunk, but I something happened where the alarm went off. And I have never seen somebody throw phones up in the air so far and so fast and start running. Like, <laughs> he, 
He said, I ain't being around when anybody shows up with all these phones. Like, I am not being part. I'm not going to be part of this. I don't want people to think I'm stealing shit. Like, I am out of here. Um, so, yeah, I've witnessed that firsthand. So, so I was around the corner before those phones hit the ground. Like, I <laughs> <laughs> like those cartoons, like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> I was out of there, out because I like I don't want no no shenanigans. Ain't nobody come and shoot me over some phones. <laughs> and I was the boss, but you know what? When those alarms start going off, I'm the boss. I'm just a black man that's just some stolen phones. I like nope. <laughs> no matter the situation, I just I before I even realized you were gone. Like I was. <laughs> hey, you know what? Speaking of. Police activity. Did you oh. see today? Today is Wednesday. That all those—not um, all, but about eight of those people who worked with Donald Trump to try to overthrow, find eleven thousand votes in the state of Georgia, had their they they have, they had their mugshots taken today oh, and released. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 my god and the you sent me the picture with kamala harris and each each so there i think there was eight of them or maybe there was 12 there must have been eight maybe 12 it's nine it's nine. nine so it's not yet nine convict nine uh charged felons you know the nine trumpy one rudy giuliani um cindy all lawyers cindy powell jenna ellis all his lawyers and you know another six or seven of them but then there's a box, and I don't know where I found this, but it's floating around the web. Uh, uh, VP Kamala Harris, I think it was at one of the debates like years, a couple of years ago. And each square is like a tic-tac-toe box. Each square has her face making a different face, right? <laughs> and they are so perfectly matched to the nine fellas. That is just hilarious. <laughs> It's like she's in the room watching getting their mug shot and her facial expressions are if if you are if you need a visual, I don't know if we could put that in the show notes or not, but I think people I think everybody Oh my god. And let me tell you uh, across the internet social media, it is on fire with all these mug shots. Like just on fire. It just is and you know what like there's even pictures of Rudy Giuliani going to Literally in Atlanta, second chance bills bonds. <laughs> oh my God. Stop it. Oh my God. And you know what? Let me tell you, of all those people, like I hope they all go to prison. But I'm going to tell you something that Black people have been waiting for Giuliani to get his since he implemented that stop and frisk bullshit in New York and started arresting all these Black and Brown people. And, and, we know, we knew then, but we know now from um, from the data that's been provided that most of those people, like most of them, had committed no crimes, just mm -hmm. no crimes at all. It was just, let's just stop black and brown people so we stop crime. And it did nothing but just harm people. And he's been corrupt like that, going back to his mayor days. And then he gets all this America's mayor because of 911 had nothing to do with him. And this guy's been corrupt and licking Trump's balls for, you know, six years. And to see that mofo have a mugshot, let me tell you, it like like um, I saw online, it sparks joy. Like they they stop and frisk him. It is the it was so beautiful. 
the, the just karma. So have we seen Trump's mugshot yet? Isn't he supposed not, to? Not yet. So so there are, I think there are 18 total people. And so um, before I got on the call on this um, podcast, there were nine who had shown up today to be booked. Um, booked because they are, there was a warrant for all the arrests. So they have to show up post bond and their, their bonds are between 100 and $500,000, depending on the person. They had to get fingerprinted and do a, a, a booking photo and a mugshot. And in Fulton County, they said, we don't care who you are. If you get arrested and charged in this county, not only do you get a mugshot, but we post that shit online. <laughs> right. And so, and so, you know, all, all the right people are just waiting on that website to post those photos. And they're just, they're all across the web. So, so there's nine out right now. There's another nine yet to come. So, um, and apparently Donald Trump has said, let me show you what a, what a petty bastard he is, that he's going to go, he's going to show up for his tomorrow night, Thursday. And why he's petty and why that's why that's uh, uh, meaningful is that the first Republican debate is tomorrow night. Oh, and so because he's on the outs with Fox News because they they bailed on him after they lost uh, after they got sued by Dominion voting because they slandered Dominion voting during the election, kept saying that their votes were uh, wrong and they were changing votes and that company was cheating. That's just a private company. And so they sued them and they won a judgment against Fox News and Rupert Murdoch for $800 million. $800 million. And so they won that suit and it was, it, it was further proof that Fox, they proved that Fox knew they were lying, but they were still broadcasting that to people that there was something wrong with the voting and all that kind of stuff. Because they got all their internal emails to show them saying, when can we finally start telling the truth? Why, you know, and, and why are how much, how much further do we have to go with the lie? Like they knew, but they were broadcast anyway. So anyway, so once they lost that lawsuit, then they sort of turned on Trump. Like they're not, they're not always pushing Trump. So Trump got mad. And so he went against them. Then they fired Tucker Carlson because he was like the biggest Trump supporter and Russian asset. And Tucker Carlson is going to have a sit down interview on Twitter with Donald Trump. When the debates are going on Fox News. Oh my God. That's messy. So oh Trump's going to get his booking photo and then do an interview, even though it's not going to be broadcast anywhere. It's just going to be on Twitter. But still, he wants to hurt the ratings and hurt the other Republican candidates because they're going to be in their first debate on Fox News. It's crazy because even if he is convicted, there is still, he could still run for president. Yeah, so there are some 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 constitutional questions on whether or not okay. that is correct, and so I believe that um, uh, most scholars who are most scholars who are not conservative scholars were already saying no, it violates the constitution because you cannot you know foment a uh, uh, insurrection or succession or something like that and be president, and so. The media was sort of like, well, of course you would say that. But then a bunch of conservative scholars, conservative constitutional scholars came out and said, yeah, he can't. You can't be president. You can't run for president if you have all these things. And so and so that's the question. And one of the things about the U.S. Constitution is 
is you can have anything in there. You have any, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, but it, all that stuff has to be tested. The only way it's tested is through the courts. So when it's just there, it's just theory. And then someone can say, well, I don't agree with this. So it shouldn't apply. And then you could just make that issue wind all the way up to the Supreme Court, who ultimately decides on how to interpret the Constitution. And the Supreme Court has been known to get things right, but they've been known to get things wrong. Supreme Court, the Supreme Court upheld that black people couldn't vote. And they upheld that we were not full citizens, only three fifths of a citizen. They upheld you know, women couldn't vote. They upheld the institution of slavery. So the Supreme Court, so because we have the word Supreme, it don't mean that they're not a bunch of assholes who are frankly wrong. Like they just said, you know, abortion is bad. They just, they got rid of um, a bunch of the civil rights things. They got rid of affirmative action. Like they got, depending on you have on the court, you can interpret the constitution any way you want, right? And so even though scholars are saying that kind of stuff right now, um, it doesn't mean that like he's doing He's literally running for president, even though he's been indicted in three states and the District of Columbia and has 91 um, charges against him total. 91. Like, I mean, I mean, if, if you, look, you know, we talked about this before. If you go apply for the, a job and they do a background check and see anything somewhat shaky, they tell you no thanks. Yeah. Peace out. Right, peace out. No questions asked. You got no rebuttal, no nothing. And we 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 know if someone has a record, you know, a misdemeanor, even a misdemeanor, but certainly a felony, you are disqualified from voting for everything. This guy has been charged with something like forty something, forty. I think of his ninety one charges. I want to say half at least are felonies. Like, like he is the current front runner for Republican voters. I mean, think about that. This guy. And look, he's already twice impeached. He is a con- he is a convicted rapist, right? That E. Jean Carroll case litigated in New York, he was convicted. It's a civil suit, convicted of being a rapist. She was right, right? So he's a convicted rapist. He had under indictment, you know, in three states and, and, and the um, District of Columbia, the feds are after him, different states are after him. 91 charged all these felonies. And that's the guy Republican voters are saying, that's our guy. But these Republican voters are the same people who will say, three strikes, you need to get life in prison. If you sell, you know, a $10 bag a week, you need to get 20 years. You know, if if, if you're speeding too much, you should lose your license. And we don't care if you have a way to work. Or if you get a, you know, drunk driving, you lose your license. You have to take you know, an Uber or Lyft or something. You know, you know, just they're so harsh on crime in every every district attorney in this country, whether they're Republican or Democrat, they all run on one thing. We're going to be tough on crime. Every district attorney in every county in the entire country, that's their number one platform they run on. We're going to be tough on crime, right? And and district attorneys are, in America, are 90% white. And 80 of those 90%, 80% are, are, are white men. And most of our governors are white men. Most of the senators are white men. The people who write the laws. Most of the House are white men. The most of the Supreme Court are white, but not white men, but white. And so the people who write the laws, who vote for the laws, who enforce the laws, who interpret the laws, most of those people are white. And those people have said in America, 
for 400 years. If you break the law, you, you will have a consequence and that no one is above the law. That's what they say. Now, the very people that say, and they have lectured black people about this for 400 years, what's wrong with your community, what's wrong with your culture, where are your fathers, where are your community leaders? You know, just comply. Just, if you don't break the law, you won't get in, in trouble. You know, we'll put police people in your schools. You know, everything. Stop and frisk. Everything. everything. And now the number one person that they want to be president is a lawbreaker. If that is the, we are, we are witnessing the biggest, we are seeing the, not just the biggest hypocrisy, but we are seeing that the things that we have, my community have been lectured on for so long, is all just bullshit. And they are proving it. They only meant harsh laws, harsh sentencing, three strikes you're out. We don't care about how, how bad prisons are. We don't care about any of that because we know it's only and mostly only affecting black and brown people. It's all fine. But as soon as you get one, maybe wealthy, we don't know if Donald Trump is wealthy, one wealthy white guy is like, no, none of that matters. No, he should, he should be an exception. He should be okay. They shouldn't prosecute him. Nothing should happen. And all those people showing up to court, those mugshots that's going around, every one of them is saying, and their backers are saying, this is unfair treatment. And we shouldn't have to you know, be booked in a county. And, and, and we shouldn't have photos. And look, look, I'm just telling you, it is, it is the height of American hypocrisy for anyone to advocate or to say anything is unfair to these, you know, 18 wealthy people and of the 18, 16 are white and two are black. And to say that even though they broke laws, we should make an exception and we should make an exception for them and make an exception for Donald Trump when we have two million prisoners in this country. Two million. Two million. You know, Two you think about that. You know, in Iceland, Iceland has, I, I think, five prisons. And the their prisons, each of those five range from like, the most they have is 50 people and their sentences are less than two years. Incredible. It's incredible. incredible. It is. I, I mean, yeah, we have incredible. two million incarcerations. Two million. Two million. And... I mean, you can go into so much detail about, about prisons. We know, we as a society know that prisons are awful. We know that there's um, there's physical, sexual abuse. We know that there's corruption with the guards. We know they steal traffic drugs and um, weapons. We all we all know that. We know that, you know, they 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 they, they charge them money for, you know, uh, food and safety and um, if they want to use the phone, it costs more money, you know, just all we know that. And most of our prisons, you know where most of our prisons are? Most of the prisons South. are in areas that are run by Republicans. And wow. someone said, well, well, why is that? Well, let me tell you why that is. Because those prisoners still get to count in the census as citizens in those Republican districts. And which what, the, what that means is that when we do our census every 10 years, that are Republican areas have more people, right? Because of the prisons than they actually have. Those prisoners can't vote, but they count on their census. And why that matters is that means that those Republican areas get more seats in the House of Representatives. So you get you get a benefit from having those prisoners there. You get more tax dollars, more federal tax funds come to your your districts. You get more seats in the in the House of Representatives, and the House of Representatives are the place that 
that write the laws. So even though those people in your districts, they're in prisons, they can't vote, they have no rights at all. But we get more Republicans in the House of Representatives because they have prisons in their areas. It is so, I don't even know the word for it, but it is such a level of steep, systemic, deep racism, but it just, it just is under the radar in America. It's just under the radar because we know the prison system is bad. And so when someone says, well, it's, 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 it's not fair that Donald Trump, you know, a former president has been indicted. And my response to that is, you know why no other former president has been indicted? Because they weren't breaking the goddamn law. Fuck. That's why. All the rest of them, no matter how bad they were, Ronald Reagan, you know, Bush one and two, you know, you go back to all these corrupt presidents you know, all throughout history, but none of them were breaking the law in office and out of office and before office like him. So the fact that they have thrown their lives behind him, like those mugshots today, Jen, all of those people are attorneys. Most of them are attorneys. That means that mean they had the money to go to college, to go to grad school, to go to law school, get their, you know, pass the bar. They all that intelligence and they decided I'm going to throw it all away for Donald Trump. Oh my God. The cult. Right. A, no. Right. A cult. Like, you know, and cult. I'm like, if you were dumb enough to do that, not only would I laugh at your mugshot, I hope you rot in the worst prison. Right. I hope you rot because you were stupid in addition to being a criminal. Damn. And you know, I was having a conversation with a very good friend of mine, and she had sent me this video, and it was, uh, it was Joe Biden, our president at some uh, event in Maui or for Lahaini. It was like listening to victim stories. And someone recorded it looking as if he was just out of it, either sleeping or I don't know, just it looked actually doctored. Yeah. And, and yeah. we don't know who it was. Um, what I told her, I said, it's very interesting when you think about how our politics are today, right? So Joe Biden has done most than any other president we have you can find a long list of it you I, you definitely need would need glasses just to read all of that but what i said to her is that it's crazy i said i don't even care if this mofo fell asleep i will tell you that i will take anybody talking about my president falling asleep than a president that actually has been a criminal yes that's, like, right, that's, that's what like we're honing in on, I said, this is the, this is, this is what happened to Obama. Oh my God. He's wearing a tan suit. Oh, Michelle, right. Obama, look at her arms. Like if that's what this resorting to, because you can't find anything else. I'm cool with that. Yeah, exactly. And he, he was in, he was in a line at Hawaii and like, like America has a process for dealing with disasters. First of all, you know, the disaster happens. And then the first thing you do and, and president Biden did this, he got the request to, you know, the president has to unleash FEMA and all the different support um, uh, departments to get there to do stuff. You release federal funds and stuff. He got the request um, that same day and he signed it uh, 13 minutes later, like it was immediate. And then what presidents should do is they should contact um, the governor of the state because the governor is in charge of the state. And you 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 ask the governor, what other assistance do you need? Because the Disasters are very specific to areas, so like, you know, wildfires, hurricanes, earthquakes, this kind of stuff, you know, flooding. And then the government will say, you know, we need this, we need that. And usually the presidents will say, okay, you know, my, my team will do all this. And then 
what presidents will say is, when when do you need me there? Because you a, a president can't just show up somewhere on day one because of the logistics and the number of people that are with the president, particularly when you are still trying to find bodies and things like that. So you wait for the specialist to go in, you know, to um, uh, rescue and recovery, and then you get the okay from um, a governor to come in. And then that's when the president, you, you work out your deal to get there because you also have that, your advanced team, security and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, and then, so the initial, the initial things that presidents can do, you know, you unleash the funds and things like that. But then for any additional funds that are not just covered in the standard emergency model, the president, it has to come from Congress. And for Congress to do that, they have to write the bills. It has to get to the Senate to pass. It has to get the president to approve. And normally, that's a pretty smooth process because when there's a national disaster like that, um, hurricanes, earthquakes, fires, this kind of stuff, it's usually um, people agree. But I'll tell you something. Um, when it was when the hurricane, I think it was Sandy, hit New York, and and Republicans were in charge. Republicans voted down giving New York any assistance. And when the hurricane hit Puerto Rico, um, initially the government said, well, "We don't. They they don't know how to handle money. We're not going to send them any assistance." And then when Donald Trump finally did go, he was throwing paper towels at people like it was like dumb shit. And when California had wildfires, it took it took Republicans and Donald Trump three weeks to release the funds. And that's the, and that's the famous uh, infamous time when he said they should be sweeping their forests. It's their it's their fault. They have wildfires like that kind of stuff. Right. Like, I mean, just really just absolutely you know, moronic stuff. So then President Biden gets there in Hawaii. You know, meets with the governor. You get the you get the all clear. You meet with the governor. You set up the you set up. You know, for, you give your speech because the speech is for the people. But it's really for the national audience. Okay, we're here. We're doing these funds. We know this is tragic. America's with you. You know, it's a very standard model of what presidents are supposed to do. And and you know, in times of tragedy like that. And then what good presidents will do. We saw with President Obama um, when he visited. I, I was I was mentioning that church, and he went to that church. Those people were killed. And he stood there and talked to the people. And then he started singing Amazing Grace, right? You know, just you try to be human in those moments because those moments call for humanity. He wasn't throwing paper towels like Donald Trump. And where Donald Trump, you know, he went to, you know, one little community center in a wealthy area, threw some paper towels and left, right? When, he, when Puerto Rico had the hurricane and they waited for the rest of his, the rest of his term to get the funds that they needed. And those funds were finally released when, when uh, President Biden was in office. Not all of them, but but some of them. So anyway, President Biden stayed there. He he stayed there for a few hours in that in that giant community center, and he he talked to and listened to. They said a couple hundred people, like he didn't leave. He just talked and commiserated and let people tell him about what their loss and you know things like that. Like he did what a president is supposed to do. Like supposed to be human in those moments. And he got all the funds that he could get because they start spreading that rumor. Oh, he was only given $700 per person. And it's like, no, that's the initial release of funds that go to any state. It's the same amount, any state that comes from FEMA, that it just it hits the ground. You can get medical care. You can get insurance um, recovery. You get it works out. It worked out for $700 or $9 million. It's immediate. And that, that came like within the hour. And then. 
and then and then the rest of the the rest of the funds come after it gets released from Congress. So, you know, when people are showing a video of him, like was he dozy? Wasn't doing any of that. Like it was a long long day. And he's just doing his job, and I'm like you. Look, I'll take that of someone showing compassion and empathy than the clown that was there before. Or like you said, President Obama in a tan suit, you know, just yeah. dumb stuff. When, when you bring up dumb stuff like that, I mean, you have no substance to your argument. You got nothing. Like you might as right. well just throw up the white flag and, and right. surrender because we, we, we're talking, we could give a list of all the inadequacies that he had as a president and, and where we are with, the Supreme Court and where we are with Roe versus Wade turning over, uh, raping, I mean, just finding votes, the list goes on. And if you stand right. behind that, 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 that's where the real problem lies. That's, those are the real dangerous people to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, just this past week, they, they, um, the Biden administration administration forgave another $36 billion in student debt. Oh, wait a minute. I think it was $80 billion in student debt that covered 36,000 students or something like that. Like just like a ton of money. So, and the, the amount has gone to like, I think it's over $300 million. 300, I think it's going to like $300 billion in debt so far. That's wow. at least, it almost made me want to get some student debt just so I can get in some of that money. No, I've been <laughs> Fuck, man. Why did right, I go to college? Out. <laughs> Are you okay? So you've been gone. That was a really good discussion. I'm glad I, I wanted to touch on that because uh, my girlfriend that, you know, shared that video with me. It, she's a very I just love our dialogue and she loves sharing that kind of stuff with me. And it gives me the opportunity to say, like, this is it. I don't care that the, leave my man alone. And yes. he's doing his job. And if he's sleepy, so what? Big fucking yeah. deal. He's so more. He's probably. I'd be exhausted too doing all the shit that him and Kamala right. have been doing. Right. He's uh, not harming any. He's not harming anybody by having a cat nap. Nothing. Nobody. And if that's what you yeah. want to focus on, I you, you we we can't be friends. Um. Yeah. So have you been able to? I start. Okay. So you know, every time we talk about TV shows, I really, you know, of course, murders in the building started, and I I can't get enough of Martin Short and and. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Steve Martin and Selena. Yes. So good. So I started a show on that. I'll give a high rating. I I, I just love the dynamic of that. Uh, Tina Fey is also in it. And uh, Meryl Streep is in this. It's really good. So uh, I started watching this other show on Amazon Prime called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Oh, I just and saw that thumbnail today. What's that about? Fuck. Domestic violence and Ooh. some hidden stories uh, attached to. Um, so Sigourney Weaver is the patriarchy of this woman of this. She's the grandmother of this uh, daughter of this granddaughter. She's the grandma who she loses her son and daughter in law in a fire. We don't know how the fire started, but we know it says it's a domestic violence. A father was an abuser. So uh, it is so good, well acted. I, I think there's going to be seven episodes right now. I think you could probably watch five. 
maybe six, but so I'm really into that. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a little sad. Anytime, anytime it gets me to think about how any man could put his hands on a child, let a, you know, let alone your own flesh and blood, let alone, I mean, I don't know you, how you can look at somebody and think it's okay to punch them, a child. I, I just can't comprehend the, the evil behind those eyes associated with that. And, and, you know, hitting a woman, it just, uh, I can't process right. that. It seems right. so overwhelming. Uh, so it's really, really good. Um, and of course, Big Brother season 25. So season 25, they are trying to do some cool things this year. Mm. I have not fallen in love with any cast me member yet, meaning I'm nobody's my favorite. Or I'm not pulling for somebody, but I'm not going to stop watching it. Like, I mean, that's just not yeah. going to It'll be um, plus it's on three days a week. So you're getting a reality show three days a week. It's super fun. Um, you don't really have to be hundred percent engaged in it. And of course the real housewives, I'm still watching that fucking New York housewives. I still am not overly excited about it. It's growing on me a little bit, but I'm not sure if I'm going to give it a second season. And of course, real housewives of Atlanta chef's kiss. Uh, and then, the Real Housewives of Orange County. Say less about that. I mean, it's just. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I, so because I was in New York and we were working on moving and stuff, I didn't get to watch a lot of TV. But I am caught up on Housewives of New York. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I like anybody on there yet or just yeah. like anybody. But um, I do like some of the little petty arguments. Like, I, do you feel I, like I'm, they're trying I'm, too hard? Do you feel like they're like. Is there a sense that, okay, the cameras are rolling, let's really amp this up a little bit, even though I know that's how it is for all reality shows, but this seems more obvious to me. Yeah, and you know, the one that I think is going to blow up by the end of the season is the Indian lady and her husband. Oh, can't stand her. Um, That guy so, might, you know, I, I, look, I'm not going to, look, that guy doesn't want does not want to be married to her. No, at all. Right, that oh. guy, yeah, he has other things in mind, so um, yeah, so I did get caught up on that, and then um, I watched a movie actually on the airplane that I seen it on Amazon, but I never watched it, but it's actually pretty funny. It is um, Shotgun Wedding with Jennifer, um, with J Lo, oh. Jennifer, oh. no, what's her name, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez and that guy Josh Duhamel. Oh, is that like an older movie? I think it's like within a year or two, but okay. it is very funny. Like, because I was on an airplane, I was like, well, let me, I was trying to watch a, a comedy. And that movie cracked me up. It starts a little slow. You think, like, where is this going? And then it just goes in all these ways. It's just really bonkers. So I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not a fan of JLo and her movies. I, I haven't seen one that I didn't like. Yeah. You know what? I don't think she gets enough credit for being a really good actor. She's really yeah. good. Yeah, her movies are, and this movie is very funny. It's a lot of famous faces in it and stuff. And the premise is that they're a couple that's going to do, they're doing a destination wedding. And I think it's in Bali is where I think they are. Something like yeah. that. And it just goes off the rails, like in the most absurd, crazy kind of way, but it's hilarious. Um, and then 
I just got in. I'm very late to this party, but I just started watching Naked and Alone. Oh, God. Yeah, so, okay, I thought it was like one season, two people dropped off like in the forest and they have to survive one season, but that's not what it is. So what I learned, each episode, there's two people, they have to survive some environment, they drop, you know, they, they they go there with clothes. They have to take up all their clothes and they have like maybe a, a flint for some fires and maybe like a knife or something. And they have to survive just 21 days. That's it. They just have to survive 21 That's days. It. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. And they don't know each other. Oh. And, and it's usually, uh, or I've only watched a few, but I think it's always one man, one woman. And they just have to survive. So shelter, food, getting along. And then, by the final day, they have to like get to their to a certain point where they get picked up. And it's usually like a walk or a hike, you know, two or three, five miles or something. And by that time, they're depleted and energy, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I don't even know if they win any money. It's just like you have one. They show you the 21 days in one episode. So that's what I like about it. I, I thought you just had to like follow these people for like an entire season, but you don't. Oh, just, like Survivor. Yes, you don't have to do that at all. It's just one episode. So you can really watch them in any order. Like you just watch when it's just one hour and you see. And I gotta tell you, I've only watched three, I think. And and I just picked three at random. And in each case, you know, they get these guys that, you know, ex-Marine, ex-survivalist, you know, this kind of stuff. And they have all this, you know, macho male, you know, stuff. And in each of the ones that I picked, the men had to leave before the women. Dang. Like, yeah, you, like, if you get sick or injured or you just, like, wimp out, you could just, you could just tap out you, and they'll come and get you. And you're you're gone. And then the other person still tries to stay to the 21 days. And then I just picked three, like, I, there's, like, 15 seasons of it. I just picked three and three different seasons. In each case, you know, the man, one man, you know, he drank some dirty water or he got too many bug bites or you know, just random stuff. And they just, they were gone. They were done. So, so because of who I am, I'm always rooting for them to lose. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> I want to see absolute disaster and mayhem, you know, falling in forest and, you know, all this kind of stuff is so good. And it's only because it's, it's on HBO. They're only like 40 minute episodes. So, you know, anyway, that's what I'm enjoying right now. Wow. Okay. So this has been a whirlwind. I, great discussion. I, I love, I always feel good at the end of us recording. And I think, you know, we covered a lot of shit today, a lot of good insight, Not some shallow, some not. I just enjoy yeah. being able to catch up with you. So next week we'll have to talk about your trip in New York. What did you do? Yes. What did you see? Um, how the wedding venue and planning is going and I'll have, an insight onto my lunch. Well, the free lunch that my nephew's getting. Um, <laughs> your your experience with DoorDash. <laughs> I'll share that next week as well. So, yes. you know, you can well to, if we can get the show notes, if we can get that picture of the nine criminals and Kamala Harris's reaction to each of those, if we can get that in our show notes, that would be awesome, so that people can see what we're talking about. It has been, yeah, I'm glad perfect. you're back on in California soil and yes. I'm excited to um, 
be a part of the journey with now with you and Ileana and you and her. Yes. Yeah. We'll have to get together pretty soon. Yep. I love that. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Love this podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Visit the episode description to find out how you can connect with the hosts on social media. Voice Memos is a production of Dear Dean Publishing. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without consent.